welcome and thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Bala Afshar, Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next hour. We welcome you to follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Please send us your questions to Ray, myself, and our distinguished guests live using hashtag Disrupt TV. We'll do our best to answer during the show and certainly after. It's my pleasure to introduce my co-host, Ray Wong. He's the CEO and founder of Constellation Research. He is a best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business, regular contributor to many media outlets, including ZDNet, Harvard Business Review, and others. And in my humble opinion, one of the best followers, futurists on uh, Twitter at RWANG0. Welcome, Ray, to Disrupt TV. Hey, thanks a lot. Happy Friday, Vala. I'm here with my great co-host, Vala Afshar. And more importantly, he's one of the top CMO influencers and top CIO influencers in the world. More importantly, an author himself um, and a big contributor to lots of blogs from the HuffPo in the past, now to ZDNet. Uh, and more importantly, my co-host on this wonderful Friday. So who do we have today? We're going deep in the cloud companies today. We are. What are we, we are. talking about? It's our privilege. Our first guest is Rob Reed, Managing Director, Executive Vice President at Sage Intact. With more than 30 years of experience in the software industry, Rob has a proven track record of driving explosive growth at innovation companies and has demonstrated a deep expertise in bringing cloud computing to the world of business applications. Rob served most recently as President and CEO of Lucidera, a market leader for on-demand business intelligence. Prior to that, he was Group Vice President at Siebel CRM On Demand at Oracle Corporation. As President of CEO On Demand uh, and CRM uh, Upshot, Rob grew the company tenfolds before it was acquired by Siebel. He was ranked in the top 50 on Glassdoor's top CEOs, US SMB, with a 100% approval rating from employees in 2014, and also ranked in the top 50 again this year. So what an unbelievable achievement. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Sage Intact Rob, S-A-G-E-I-N-T-A-C-C-T-R-O-B. Welcome, Rob, to the Shrek TV. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, welcome. Rob, where are you calling in from? Uh, I am actually calling in from my home office. Friday traffic is just terrible here in Silicon Valley. Uh, I get three hours back to do work uh, by not going into, into the office. So it really Same. works out for me. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to fight the Houston traffic, find my way home. But uh, hey, you know, you are an evangelist for small businesses and helping them become successful, leveraging those cloud technologies uh, to help folks get there. You know, we recently had a in-studio experience with Tom Peters, at least Vala did, which I'm so envious of. Um, and he's been talking about where small businesses are and, and really trying to help the six-person company, the hundred-person company really make shifts. Um, so what are small businesses looking for in today's business climate? Well, first of all, I thought that Tom was amazing last week, and both of you just did a great job of pulling out all those gems that uh, he's had, you know, 40, 50 years of experience in conveying to small and medium-sized businesses. Um, but I, I've got a few observations I think that can apply uh, to organizations that they can, uh, they can walk away uh, with, and that, you know, small organizations have always had to come in and compete against larger organizations. And what uh, Tom talked about is that they really need to be excellent in what, what they do. 
Um, so they're focused on their niche and they know that they can outmaneuver large organizations. And they know that if they provide unique value, they can grow and really create uh, incre incredible business. So I, I think that uh, a lot of small firms have decided, I wanna be the big fish in the small pond, as opposed to trying to be the small fish in the big pond competing against all those larger organizations. So find a niche and do a better job and do it uniquely uh, for them and then they can, they can grow. So they, they need to find a market that's big enough to matter, but not, but not so large that they can't be the dominant player in that uh, arena. So focus on down, deliver unique value, and you'll be able to really grow, grow that overall business. But what was also interesting about what Tom said is that he said that enterprises destroy jobs and small and medium-sized organizations are able to really grow the, our economy and, and grow their business. And that's where the vast majority of growth is coming from. And, and, and from the information I've been able to go back and look at, 89% um, of all the jobs in today's economy since the Great Recession have been created by small and medium-sized businesses. Wow. Small or large corporations have actually declined by 10% since the Great Recession. Wow. And I think, you know, back to this, why are they destroying? Well, think about the charters that small businesses have and medium-sized businesses versus large. Um, large organizations are all about being efficient. Larger organizations are all about how do I deliver more profitability and take care of my investors? Small and medium-sized organizations are trying to outmaneuver those large companies. And what are they all about? I've got to be focused on the customer, not the investor. Now, I've been lucky enough to go through, you know, a few IPOs in my career. And it was amazing the shift that you would always see in the culture where we were monomaniacally focused on the customer as a private company. And then as a public company, it's, oh my gosh, it's all about the investor. How are we delivering value quarter over quarter over quarter for the investors? So small and medium-sized organizations really have this unique position of focus, deliver more value, outmaneuver those larger organizations. And then Tom went on to, to say that the, those small, medium-sized organizations that are driven by data-driven employees can really you know, take things on over and take it to the, to the next level. Well, it was only like 10, 15 years ago that small organizations couldn't easily get to the numbers. They didn't have the software in place like large organizations did. And now with the software as a service in the cloud environment, uh, they've got the ability, there's all this uh, software that's been created specifically for small, medium-sized organizations that are the kinds of things that you had in enterprise. Now you've got it specifically for small and medium-sized organizations, and they can see what's going on in their business. They can see where the opportunities are. They can see where their potential uh, issues starting to bloom and able to attack it in real time, which they couldn't have done just 10 years ago. Also about 10 years ago, it was all about finance was the one that was responsible for getting out the numbers. But what Tom is saying is that everyone needs to be data driven. And now with these new systems, what you can do is get this information on out so 
the marketing people, the sales people, the engineers, the product managers, everybody, the support people, whoever it might be, um, can have the information at their fingertips in real time to make decisions and to outmaneuver those larger organizations. So having the people that have the mindset about let's look at the numbers to make the decisions and then have the supporting infrastructure has really allowed these organizations uh, to, to take off. But well, do, do you know Tom Peters? I don't. I got this from your interview with him. Unbelievable. I think he's going to love you. You, love, you are the poster CEO that he talks about. I mean, the way you describe all of these uh, trends and, and, and success factors with such passion. I just assumed you and him knew each other. That's amazing. <laughs> I, 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 I've read his books. Um, I think he's a very smart guy. Uh, I was as jealous as Ray was just now, but with you, about, man, what, what an incredible experience. I'm going to have you and him connect. That's my mission now, because I think he's going to love meeting you. So, so let me ask you, you talked about you know, the changing landscape of financials, and I've, 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 uh, I've seen videos and, and articles written about the role of the CFO. What are some of the key financial challenges in, to, to, to growing a business? Well, um, first of all, finance is going through a transformation. Hmm. Uh, the, the financial people of the past uh, were really historians. And what they were doing was spending all their time getting transactions into the system and validating that they were right. So uh, they had to have the utmost integrity and be able to provide truth to the rest of the organization. And it took all of their effort to be able to get that done. Now, in today's world, we've, we're moving to two dot, uh, what I call uh, financial leadership 2.0, where we've got that real-time information to be able to provide to the rest of the organization. They're not spending all their time about getting the information in. The systems of today are so much better than where they were 10 years ago. And all the things can be automated easily so that you can really spend the time on analysis. But Val, I got to tell you, the future is where things are going to be at. Um, we're going to be moving and transforming the way businesses operate. And, and finance is really going to become the strategic advisor to the rest of the organization as to where should you be investing your next dollar and why. And artificial intelligence and machine learning are going to be providing all these capabilities where you're going to be able to look at not just tens of metrics or maybe hundreds of metrics, but thousands and millions of metrics where the system is going to be coming on and up and saying, here are the reason it's not going to just be about your information. It's going to be going out over the web, understanding the environment, understanding the marketplace, understanding the competitors. And we're going to be able to come back and figure out where you should invest your next dollar and why. And uh, it, it, there's just this total transformation that's going to be going on within businesses and also within finance. Amazing. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's a very interesting situation, right? And when we think about what's been going on, right, this, this transformation is, is being led because of the way people purchase software in the cloud. Um, what are other shifts that you're seeing that CFOs are saying that have happened in the last three to five years where the way they do business and the way they interact with their customers has also shifted just as dramatically as how they buy software? Um, so what we're seeing is people are able to really understand the specific needs, not of a segment, 
not of a particular vertical within a segment, but now they're able to see the sub-verticals, the micro-verticals. So what does a micro-vertical mean? It means that um, non-for-profit, most people say, oh yeah, you know, we, we serve the non-for-profit in industry. Well, there are associations, there are memberships, there's healthcare non-for-profits. Uh, I, I could go through and, and list out eight, 10 different major segments of non-for-profit. And each one of them have different requirements. So if you just go and try and satisfy the needs of non-for-profit without understanding what's that last 20% that you need to do for that specific segment, you're gonna miss the boat. And, and a lot of the organizations go, well, that looks good, but doesn't exactly you know, take care of it for me. So now we do have the ability to go on in and see what customers need and do a much better job across the board, micro-vertical by micro-vertical by micro-vertical by micro-vertical. So you're, you're saying that SMBs are expecting more micro-verticals and more turnkey uh, than ever before. Does that sound like what you're saying? I am saying that, and uh, you know what, a, a term that Jeff Moore coined you know, 25 years ago, they're really looking for whole products. They're looking for how does Salesforce and Sage Intact integrate together so all the information is being shared throughout the whole organization. So marketing, sales, support, finance are all seeing the 360 degree view. So that'd be the whole product solution. And they want it for their specific micro vertical. Rob, I should have asked for this at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about Sage Intact. Uh, you know, what is different about the company? What is a typical client look like for you? Just share a little bit about uh, your company with us. Yeah, well, Sage Intact is focused on small and medium-sized businesses, and we do go to market based on vertical, very vertical markets. But uh, now over this last 10 years or so, we've evolved to be the industry leader uh, from an innovation perspective. We're the high, we have the highest customer satisfaction on G2 Crowd. We have a 98 out of 100 uh, rating. Um, most of our competitors are in 40 to 70, uh, so we're way ahead. But I'll tell you the thing that's at our core uh, is that we've been rated for eight straight years as the best small and medium-sized uh, business here in Silicon Valley to work for. Uh, and uh, our culture and uh, being customer-centric is what drives that satisfaction and that, that uh, that innovation. Uh, you know, I can loop this back uh, to what Tom said last week. Um, so I classically was taught in, in school that if you've got a great idea and you're an entrepreneur and you want to go build a business, your investors are your most important uh, set of people that you got to work with. Because you can't take that idea anywhere unless you have the money and the capital to allow uh, the business to grow. Next is your customers, and third are your employees. I don't know about you, but I feel like I should get a refund on my tuition. <laughs> down backwards. The, the employees are the most important people. And when you're starting a business, all, all the easy things have already been done in our economy. Now, when you're trying to create something net new, it's usually very complicated. And you, it requires more than one person, even if it's a Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, whoever you now it requires more than one person to sort of figure out what you need to do. So having brilliant people working together as a team, a cohesive team, then going and pitching the investors, then it's your customers and staying close to them. And if you do a great job for your customers and you have passionate employees, 
your investors are going to do great. So I would tell you that the yep. great thing about Sage Intact is our culture and our passion for the customer. And it doesn't hurt to have a CEO that scores 100 on Glassdoor for, you know, a couple of years. <laughs> that's pretty, you know that's pretty awesome. That, 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 is, a, that is not an award for me. That's an award for Sage Intech. It's <laughs> all of us working together to achieve that. Uh, um, you know what? If, if I didn't have these incredible colleagues working with me, I'd never get 100. Uh, they boost me up. And, and, and I feel privileged to work with them. I love that. Absolutely. Oh, hey, congratulations on that. So, so yeah, and so you are, we're seeing like um, the shift as well in terms of how work gets done. And even in SMB and in that market, um, AI and ML is playing a role. Um, what do you see that playing and, and how do small businesses tap into that talent? Because they can't afford $2.5 million PhDs from Carnegie Mellon. They can't afford $400,000 data scientists. Um, how do you democratize access to AI and ML for them? Yeah. So that's what systems like Sage Intech are going to be able to do. And it won't be just us. It'll be virtually everybody that's going to be successful in, in, in the software world. And it, it's really interesting, Ray, to see the kind of transformation that's going to uh, go on. So um, I'm going to start with a, you know, a, a, a tactical and going all the way to very strategic. AI is going to allow a accounts payable person to totally change the way they do work. Typically today, they're still doing it the old fashioned way. If I'm going to go pay vendors, I'll pay uh, A through M on a Wednesday and N through Z on a Thursday. Well, with AI, the system's going to come in and say, hey, we found an invoice that gives us a 10% discount if we pay within 30 days. Uh, that 29th day is Monday. They're going to bring it on up and say, I've already pulled it together and it's going to go on out. Um, today, uh, any company that has um, either banks or VCs or a public company, they have audits. Um, and auditors come in and look at 10 to 15% of all the transactions, the processes, they find the exceptions, they go forward to the audit committee and tell, tell them what needs to be uh, improved and they charge a lot of money. Into the future, <laughs> go in and look at 100% of the transactions, 100% of the uh, uh, the processes, come up with the exception report, what needs to change, uh, get the approval from the audit committee to do it, and they're going to do it in one day. Wow. Complete. Done. And then, as we already discussed, yeah. going to the strategic, the system's going to be able to come in, so you won't need those data scientists to tell you, you should invest a dollar going after this market because you have the least competition, you have the most understanding, and you've got the most momentum in this marketplace, and no one is serving it well. Here's where you should spend your next dollar and walk. So I, I got to tell you, this next five years is going to be incredible. I agree. It's, it is. Next best actions, contextual decisions. We are here with Rob Reed, Managing Director, Executive Vice President of Sage Intact, legendary CEO. You can follow him at Twitter at Sage Intact Rob. So I-N-T-A-C-C-T-R-O-B. So get that on there and check out his thoughts and comments on Twitter. Thank you so much for being on the show, Rob. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You're terrific. Thank you so much, sir. Alrighty. Wow. So that was awesome. And you know what? I love the recap of last week's show with such alignment to Rob's thinking in terms of how he manages his business, which is, which is great. Um, and um, we're follow and up discussion. We're also talking about. Go ahead, Ray. Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. And small businesses are transforming, and other businesses are transforming, and we've got someone that's uh, you know, talking about this at a larger scale. 
So absolutely, uh, it's our privilege to have Amy Conari, Vice President of Customer Business at Zoara, as our next guest. Amy joined Zoara in 2017 as Vice President of Customer Business Innovation with close to 20 years of experience advising companies on subscription business strategies and models. Amy's the founder and chair of the Subscribe Institute at Zoara, a think tank for the subscription economy. Through the Subscribes Institute, Amy brings together a community of business executives, thought leaders, industry experts, and a series of executive summits and generates research and industry benchmarks on subscription transformation topics. Prior to Zora, Amy was an industry analyst at IBC for 19 years, where she launched the company's SaaS practice and produced the industry's first SaaS forecast. You can follow Amy on Twitter at Ms. Konari, M-I-Z-K-O-N-A-R-Y. Welcome, Amy, to Disrupt TV. Thank you so much. It's very fun to be here. Thank you so much. So, hey, welcome. Yeah, welcome. You know, we, we, we last saw each other at uh, Subscribe Institute, a very, very interesting event where you brought all these folks together. Um, and, and people always wonder, right, this, this thing about moving to subscriptions, the death of ownership and all these kind of things. Um, why is that so hard to do, right? Why can't I just shove it in the ERP and, and assume it's going to work? Yeah, the reason is because subscriptions are fundamentally different than products on so many different levels. And, and one of the reasons why I am so fascinated by this topic is that in my life, consumer life, I love things that keep getting better over time. And I change my mind, despite the fact that I worked at the same place for 19 years, I tend to change my mind fairly quickly about how I want to interact with the products and services that I interact with. And I also have really high expectations that the companies I interact with are going to build relationships with me. I want them to know who I am. I want them to get to know me and I want them to provide an experience that gets better over time. So those are all the expectations that I have. You can deliver that with a product offering where you're kind of shifting a product over the fence. Here's, here's your car, here's your dresser, here's your whatever it is. And you know, that's the way that business has historically been done. And you do all kinds of research upfront to kind of guess what you think will relate, you know, ascribe value. And then you try to come up with a way to price and package it upfront before your customers ever experienced it. And then you kind of toss it over the fence and you hope they have a good experience and they hope that they, Get in touch with you if you don't. If they don't, and you'll you'll fix things down the road. You know the, the problem with um, that model for any digital product and service, and certainly expectations for people today is it doesn't allow for um, experiential services that get better over time. So the way the ERP no. systems have been built is for that first model, right? That product skew Porter value chain, um, you know, type of a model. And it assumes that the product linearly gets from point A to, to the customer. And, you know, as, as Rob had said, your, your financial metrics are historical in nature. They kind of look back at what you did as opposed to projecting what you need going forward. So it does not have the notion of suspend and resume and cancel and add-ons. And if you think about all of our relationships with things we subscribe to, we go on vacation, we need deposit. Uh, we have someone in our family who we want to gift a membership to. We see other services that we want to add on to that. Our journey is part becomes or should be part of that system of record and there's no notion of customer journey in a traditional ERP. 
So that, that disconnect tends to be managed by companies as they start their subscription journey, very manually ad hoc. Um, and the problem in doing that, as you can imagine, is it becomes very expensive, very inefficient, and very error prone over time. And you know, whether in a B2B or B2C sense, our expectations are very high. Um, and, and so how you manage your back end becomes incredibly important for that front, that front end customer experience. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's true that our expectations are increasing. Um, we want intelligent engagement. We want things to be fast. So speed is, is a currency. Uh, Ray talks about mass personalization at scale, which is, which is whether it's your consumer life or your business life. So, as we're more connected, as we have, we have more options and, and choices, um, the product has to continue to evolve and get better. And we have to recognize real value in terms of how the use of technology is helping us grow our businesses and, and achieve desired outcomes. Talk to us about the Subscribes Institute. What's the, what, what type of research is involved? What kind of metrics and, and who's invited to contribute to this to this incredible think tank that's, that's focusing on really leading edge business models. Yeah, absolutely. So it starts with the, you know, Zora is a, is a technology provider. Didn't, didn't kind of intro that in my kind of discussion, but as a foundational layer, Zora provides a platform that enables companies to uh, basically from order to revenue run their subscription business and everything in between, whether that's pricing and packaging, whether that's you know, mapping a subscriber journey, tracking engagements. And we had found that for many of our customers, that technology layer was an enabler, but it didn't get them all the way there. Two thirds of the, the challenge of getting to that subscription opportunity are business process related and culture. You know, company culture and two thirds they don't include technology no it, 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 yeah. and if you ask and, and you know across the board you ask anybody right um who, who's uh you know who's at the institute like they're engaged and they're there because like yeah the technology it's incredibly important we want to that's the layer we want to optimize on but if we can't get our business processes to change if we can't get our culture to embrace this idea of, of subscription and experiences and we're it doesn't matter we have the best platform in the world we'll never have any revenue to put in it right so um, yep. the Institute is really designed to help fill that gap and you know at Zora we recognize and I said in my intro I've been an industry analyst for such a long time there is an entire ecosystem of, of expertise out there and the hardest thing is often finding it and, and finding it when you need it. When you're, when you're at your company, you're trying to solve a problem, like, oh, I, I know there are resources out there, but how do I find the right ones? How do I talk to people that are going through this? How do I look at, you know, what should I read or what are the data points that I can put in my presentation that I'm going to give to the board to prove that we should make this really difficult decision? So the Institute has, has these three components. The first is the research. Um, and that's research that the community does. It, 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 um, there's also a lot of benchmark data as part of that. So because we have this technology platform, we've got close to a thousand companies that we can look at at an aggregate and anonymized level, you know, how are they instrumenting their businesses and what is the associated impact on churn or revenue? 
So for example, we look at companies that do consumption pricing and what's the right amount of consumption pricing relative to, to revenue. And you know, when you start to move up that curve to have more consumption pricing, you start to see diminishing returns. So how do you think about mm -hmm. consumption pricing and the role that might play? Uh, another topic that we look at is engagement. You know, how many times should you be interacting with your subscriber over the course of the year? What's the sweet spot? Wow. Um, and an interaction could be uh, a suspend or resume. It could be an upsell. It could be a renewal. You know, what, what are, what's the right level and what are the types of interactions? So we can bring that benchmark data to the community and then help them use that to, to, to make decisions, build strategy. The community, like I said, is, is uh, Second part, we've got folks from, um, from industry. We have companies that are looking to transform across, across different types of industries. I mean, of course, software is where I got my start looking at kind of the SaaS space, but I mean, we've got companies at Zora that, uh, that sell dog food, that sell, you know, uh, cars, you know, automobiles is, is, is a big space that companies are building subscription revenue streams in. Um, there's a company that does, has porta potties, you know, as a service, like it's, it's across, across the board, some really interesting examples and, and there's cross pollinization of learning. So if you're, you know, you're trying to build a services model around a physical product, you can learn a lot from what software companies have done, you know, or other technology companies who've been doing this now for, for a decade or more. Um, and then the last piece are events and engagement, Ray very kindly participated in our event in June, which is our inaugural executive summit. We've got three more coming up later in the year. And that's, that's really where we have the opportunity to come together, um, to network, right? Meet other people that are also leading the charge um, at their companies. The opportunity to hear from, from experts like Ray and, and others about, you know, what they're seeing. And, uh, yeah, really, the, the, the and, 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 and is the pr principal persona the CFO or is it the CEO? Who's, who's the person that's going to lead the transformation from legacy business model to a subscription-based model? It, it really depends on the company, but you, the commonality is it's a C-level executive. Okay. Very often, it's, it's finance mm -hmm. um, because, as, as Rob alluded, you know, you, you've, the finance is going through this tremendous change where they were historians and now they're, they're the architects of the business model. And so that you, you absolutely have to have commitment from the CFO level that you know, we're going to look at things differently. We're going to look at recurring revenue. We're going to look at customer lifetime value we're gonna shift from those backward looking metrics to the forward looking metrics and then everything hinges off of that. Absolutely. You know, what's really interesting to me is, is really when we were there, right? I mean, everybody there was in some state of digital transformation. Like mm -hmm. they were trying to figure out how they're changing their business uh, as part of that. Um, when you think about that digital transformation piece, uh, what are important components that people often miss or things that you've learned along the way that you see that that are the best practices as people are walking into that process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sometimes people go through digital transformation. It's very common to get blinded with science, right? There's so much, so many different layers, so many different acronyms, so many different things to focus on. And I keep alluding back to Rob, um, but uh, you know, he spoke about the importance of keeping the customer first, particularly you know, the, in the SMB space and the, 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 the medium-sized company space. But I think if you are going through a digital transformation and subscription is part of your journey, which it typically is, you absolutely have to think of everything that you do 
how does that help your customers? Um, and, and, you know, there are parts of the business that people feel are disconnected from customer experience that, that really aren't. Um, and it is also amazing to me how deep seated some of these product centric value chain think exists within organizations. Um, so, you know, I, I might talk with someone who's been in a role working with distributors. They work with distributors their entire career. And of course, distributors take products and move them from point A to point B. And you ask them to think of, well, what's, think about your customer. What value do they get out from the distributors? And that's how you build your strategy as opposed to the way you used to think about distributors, which was more along the lines of they're going to you know, efficiently get the product from point A to point B because it's not a, it's not a product that's moving anywhere anymore, right? Uh, it, it's an experience. It's a digital service. So I, I think that's the one overarching thing, Ray. And then so many things hinge off of that, right? And, and this, is, this is true transformation. It, it's, it's not just digital optimization where you're taking a legacy process and right. modernizing it to be maybe a little bit faster, a little bit smarter, a little bit easier to understand. This is a whole new business model. This is a whole new way of accounting and how you recognize revenue. And, 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 and you know, the market certainly appreciates consistency in companies that have successfully implemented subscription business models. But how do you, I mean, what's the obstacle? Is, is it, is, do you really have to take a step back in order to go forward? And, and, and what's the biggest challenge that a CFO CEO maybe for a public company or a successful private company face when they know that the subscription model is the future and that's what the market is looking for in, ter in terms of who they're gonna strategically partner with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it helps to step back and look at it conceptually. So as you said, your optimization is absolutely taking something and giving it a facelift, making it work better. So if you think of like a home renovation, Metaphor, I've got my existing kitchen footprint. Everything's in the same place. I'm just going to get all new appliances, right? right and, right. and it's going to work better and that might solve a need and that's going to appease, you know, the people that are in the kitchen and, and it's going to help us make a better product in the kitchen for a period of time. But transformation is, you know what, our kitchen might be in the other end of the house right. and this isn't the best place for the kitchen or, and to do that, we've got to move all the plumbing. We've got to knock out that wall over there, um, you know, and, and then we start to think about that. There are all these downstream effects. Well, if you move the plumbing, you've got to get an electrician. Well, if you do that, you've got to get a permit. Well, if you do that, you've got to get an engineer. It's got to be surveyed. And if you do that, there are these cascading effects. And, and I think it just, I know it, it, it becomes overwhelming and it becomes, there are so many different elements that are, it, it, it from an executive perspective, it seems out of control. How am I gonna control all of these pieces, control costs, make sure that I can you know, communicate this out to the street? How do I get employees feeling good about it? Because they've gotta go through all this transition too, and it's really hard to change what people do every day. So the, the old- you guys, figured it, you guys figured it out. You had a successful IPO, you guys are Yeah, it. well, you know, it, it can be done, you know, to, and to be fair, we, we, you know, we're a company that's been a SaaS company. We ourselves haven't, haven't gone through a transformation, um, but, but certainly big portion of our customers do. And, and, and as you know, the only way that any sane person would embark on a major renovation where they're moving everything is that they have a, a North Star like we're, that is where we are taking the company. That is where we are going to go. And if you think of any company that's done that type of transformation mm -hmm. successfully, you know, you know that things are going to get worse before they get better, but you mm -hmm. believe that that's, you know, we've got that North star. And so 
Connecting it back to the Subscribed Institute, we help people find the North Star and keep focused on it. And then we give people, you know, think of that person that maybe they're not the CEO, but they've been hired, you know, they're the chief transformation officer or right. they're a VP brought in to do this. And they're going to get hammered every time they go into a meeting with their executives. And because it's un really uncomfortable to put it nicely to go through these transformations. And, you know, they, they, they need to go in there with something that right. helps people feel confident, like helps them build confidence. So if we can give them benchmark data, if we can put them in touch with other people that they can say, you know, this company did it and here's what, you know, their shareholder value, here's what their stock price looked like through the transition. Here's what it looks awesome. like now. That awesome. type of stuff is just so, so helpful. So it's more than research. You guys are a support group. I mean, it's a network of enablers. That, that's, that's, that's the idea, absolutely. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So, hey, um, one last thing, right? And, and we're talking about these shifts and transformation. And most people talk about digital, about the channels, right? About the technology, right? And, and just rethinking that business model. This, this is what you've been helping software companies do for years now as well, um, thinking about what people do for um, individual organizations. Um, what changes, like what do people have to do differently in their organization to support that kind of change. I mean, it's not just like changing the product. It's, hey, look, subscribe. There's a whole bunch of things on the back end. What have people told you? So their routes to market, their channel, you know, I mentioned who they sell with is different. Um, they have to think through how they engineer their products. Uh, you know, there are a lot of companies and physical products that have been built to break, right? They, they, they have not necessarily been built to last because they have a whole channel of people that their whole job is fixing them when they break. So if you're charging consumption yep. model on something, it can't break because then you can't get paid. So you no. have to build products that are more durable, right? And, and so then that cuts out a whole portion maybe of, of your ecosystem or your ecosystem changes because of that. So it's, you know, engineering is different. The way you support your customers is very different. The way, you know, customer success, that's a whole discipline that didn't exist you, you want to keep your customers. You want right. them to come back. Right. Yeah. And that you as a company want to invest in your customers beyond that initial sale. So at Zora, maybe I mentioned we have a lot of benchmark data. One of the things we found is as our customers start to grow their businesses, about 70% of their revenue comes from upsell, cross-sell activity. So wow. a lot of companies, even subscription companies that are still focused on new logos, new logos, initial sale, initial sale, and that's where they invest. And that's, you know, to, to put it simply, let's say that's 30% of the revenue picture. The other, or the tip of the iceberg from a metaphor perspective, the rest of it requires you to carefully cultivate relationships, make sure that people are using the products and services, make sure they're getting value, provide training, connect. I mean, there's a whole bunch of activities that have to happen after they get their hands on what it is you provide that didn't really have to happen at that level in the past that you have that, you know, that you need to build out. Right. So trust. Wow. Them. To land and expand. Yeah. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. it. That's it. So my last question, you, you, you leave a prestigious analyst firm after 19 years and now you're leading a think tank, helping businesses grow, reinventing business models. What's the biggest learning joining uh, a SaaS hyper growth company after, you know, being a key advisor for 19 years? It, it is a, um, it's been really, really fun. I'm really glad that I made the shift. I was ready to do something different. I think the energy level 
um, which, which was great for me because I always felt like there was a little bit of a mismatch between my energy level and, um, you know, what you generally saw at market research firm, which was very focused on data and, and forecasts and data models. Um, but being able to kind of be part of something where, where everyone's really excited to, to get up and, and do subscription economy every day, it, it just feels like I've sort of been there all along. Um, to a certain degree, so it's it's been very fun, uh, and and uh, and being able to launch something while I'm there, the 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 Subscribe Institute, and and to be able to see that start to uh, to come to fruition, and uh, you know, I'm really excited for what the next several months and years look like. That's awesome. I, we can tell. We can sense the yeah. passion and purpose. There's, there's some energy there. So, <laughs> hey, thanks for being on the show. We are here with Amy right. Connery, VP of Customer Business. Um, she's actually head of the Subscribe Institute at Zora. You can follow her at Twitter at Ms. Connery, M-I-Z-K-O-N-A-R-Y. And more importantly, you can catch all her thoughts on the Zora Research Institute page. Very, very cool stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, bye now. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. Uh, I would like to write about the research. Uh, so I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check out whatever's available publicly oh. to share. So, so There's some great stuff there. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I, I, I could sense. Um, speaking of energy, this is, uh, this is the uh, portion of, of Disrupt TV where we bring someone to hit a grand slam and wrap everything in a nice, beautiful bowl. So it's our pleasure to have our, our final guest, Esteban Kolsky, principal and founder of ThinkJar. Esteban uh, has had this advisory firm researching customer strategies and advising for over 25 years in terms of CRM delivery, consulting, research, and advisory services. Prior to ThinkJar, he spent eight years at Gartner focusing on customer service and CRM consulting. He's a former CTO, I don't know if some people knew that, and currently serves on several company and university boards. So if you're looking for a smart board member to help guide your future, there's no better person than Esteban. Um, welcome to the Shop TV, Esteban. Wow, did he, he was the same. <laughs> It's like, hey, here's yeah, something. No, I was going to say follow. I was going to say follow Esteban on Twitter, but I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. But the, yeah, I, I quit, right? quit. When did you quit Twitter? When did uh, you quit October, Twitter? October second, twenty seventeen. Is this wow. a, just? It's just a temporary time off, or we're talking permanent? Come on. It's not going to get fixed, dude. You know, we can talk about that if you want. But before I go into that, yeah, let's, let's, let's jump in. Let's jump in. <laughs> huh? Let's I want to see the in. shirt. I can't quite see the shirt. What's on the shirt? Yeah, we can't see the shirt. We got to see what's going on. Basically, train. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just said, don't ever introduce me again because when I follow, I got to deliver what you said that I can do and I cannot do <laughs> yeah. anything. No, anyway. Hey, you know, I was going deep in your background and being VP of practice, being a chief technology officer, you've done a lot. <laughs> I did a lot. I had, I had. But by the way, nobody can tell that because if you go to your LinkedIn, your bio just says, ask me anything. If you go to Twitter, it says I quit. <laughs> You're like the most humble. Like I, I cannot be found in Facebook. How do people know how smart and helpful you are? <laughs> well, so, so you got you to gotta consider that I suffer from social anxiety, so I don't want to talk to people anyways. 
Right. So they, they find out because they read something I do. They, they see me present in those moments of dream. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. And, and they just continue to work with me through here. I mean, I, I, have, I have, you know, I do more inquiries and more transactions with people these days than I ever did a gardener. Awesome. And it's all from people that I made over the last 20 years. It's not from like new people that are like, you know, I have a subscription or anything like that. I, I, I make money from writing things in a smart way that people need to advance their, their, their models. That's all I do. And you know, there's, there's two things I got to say. Your customers are your biggest advocates and other analysts. If I got a dollar every time an analyst described you as one of the smartest analysts in the, in the software industry, I'd have a nice car in my garage. So, or, or you would have to pay me 30 cents for taxes. <laughs> no, no. I'm <laughs> this is why well, you're on the Constellation Advisory Board. I mean, it's no secret. Anyway, anyway. All right. Enough about your bio. <laughs> so so I, I quit Twitter because there's no fixing Twitter. There, 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 there's What's wrong? What's broken? Why, why, why is this completely a mess? So, so here's the deal. Twitter is a community. I, I said it from the beginning. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, pick one. They're all communities. Problem with communities is communities are self-police. And Twitter and Facebook are not self-police. There's a person on top that makes decisions over what goes and what doesn't. And that, that just doesn't work. I mean, for somebody to tell me that I have to be exposed to things that I don't want to be exposed to because it makes money for them, doesn't work. So there's no fixing Twitter unless you give it back to the users. And they're not going to give it back to the users because nobody makes money that way. Simple. Wow. This is very, very profound. We're, we're showing the death of social media. Weren't you one of the top social CRM consultants back in the day? I, I was one of the original ones. I actually, from the beginning, I've been saying social media is not going to work, but if you have to use it, this is the way to use it. And I went from that to actually having data that says it sucks. It doesn't work. Don't use it. It's not even worth investing money in it. All you're going to do so, is build a great amount of people doing tweets and Facebook messages and, and, and checking with other people, but there's no value proposition to that. We're going towards automation. And, you know, the opposite of that is like, you know, one-to-one -one communication. So why are we trying to make both work at the same time? Let's focus on the one that works, automation, not the one that doesn't, social media. You know, my next blog, I need to include your email because somehow the readers need to get to you. So you're going to have to give us access. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's funny because my, my name is, I'm the only person in the world with this name. So it's just Google me and you'll find me. <laughs> yeah, I can say the same. <laughs> because my business card would be bummed ask me for a business card. It's just like, you know, here, write my name, Google, you'll find me. That's right. It's, it's funny. I say the same, honestly, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so Ray, start. What, what, what's on your mind? You know, Ray? You know look, we've been talking talking about this, right? The death of CRM, the death of CX, right? What's next? I mean, we know it's changed. We know these are old transactional systems. They have to do something different, right? And, and you, you've got your own theories. We've been debating about this for a couple of months. Uh, I think the world needs to know what you're thinking since they can't find it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But, but when you do answer, Answer it in the framework of your latest blog, which is Enterprise Software Priorities for the Next Decade. Because yeah. you have five bullets, exactly. and I did find the blog. A lot of people find your blog still. Thank goodness you're still blogging. <laughs> so can you tell us about the priorities in the next decade as you respond to Ray's? Uh, so let, let, let's start with a simple one. Let's start with the answer to Ray's, uh, Ray's question, right? Uh, okay. what, what's next is, is he, here's the thing. All the systems that we have in, 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 in the work today uh, for CRM, for ERP, even for HR, they follow the traditional model of enterprise, they follow the traditional model 
of, of uh, commerce and things that we've been doing for many, many, many years, right? Uh, you, you have customers because you need to sell this to somebody and then you're going to get us, you know, optimize us as much as possible and collect as much data and create profiles and do all this stuff that CRM does. And you have operations because you got to build the product. Let's optimize it and make it great and, like that, and all that. And then you have ERP. And then, you know, well, we got to optimize our, our, you know, employees and we have HR. And it's all the same stuff. You know, I'm not going to say crap, but it's the same stuff that, that basically it just, it, it's there, you know, and, and it doesn't change because we, we're following on our model. What has changed is, you know, the, the new models of, 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 you know, what people call the gig economy, what people call like, you know, the, there's more people that are single employed or multi-employed, but self-employed than, than ever before. Uh, you know, you, you first at Rob was talking about how large corporations don't create business anymore, but small corporations do. Most of the small corporations follow a, a gig economy, a, a, like, you know, self-interest, like Paul Grimberg would say, model where like they deliver what, what they want and how they want. And, and that stuff is, is, is just a different, commercial, it's a different commercial model, it's a different manufacturing model, it's a different everything model. I can get my manufacturing done in, in Vietnam for pennies in the dollar, and I can get it packaged in Canada, and I can get it designed in Argentina, and I can get it, to, and I can build this, this virtual enterprise all over the world that delivers value at a tenth of the cost. And then I can charge whatever I want. And then that changes the model. And then I don't need to know exactly who my customers are because it's different. I don't go get customers, my customers find me. I gotta change the model. I gotta create content that talks to what I'm doing. So what's next? You gotta build this, this platforms. You gotta build this, this ecosystems where like, you know, everything survives where you can actually get a designer from Argentina, a manufacturer from Vietnam and a, and a packager from Canada to work together as if it was the same enterprise as it was before remotely through the cloud in the, the best way possible. So that, that's what's next is like building this ecosystems and forgetting about these large enterprise models, forgetting about these like, you know, big things and platforms and ecosystems taking over. Now you, you mentioned my blog post, right? And uh, that's actually one of the things that is in the blog post. I'm trying to read it right now, but I'm not good at reading it. Yeah, yeah, sustainability, platform yeah, leverage, citizen programmers, budget personalization. These are the things that you mentioned. Yeah, which is essentially what I'm talking about. I mean, like how you fund these things, how you build these things, how you make them work, is very different than it used to be, right? And, and, and that's, that's a new model. We, we have, you know, 3.9% unemployment in the United States. We have, you know, 15% unemployment in Spain, which is the best that it's been in 60 years. We have like less than 20% in Italy, also the best that it's been in like 50, 60 years. We have unemployment in Africa that is like, you know, reaching records as well. Because all these people are finding ways to work that doesn't include somebody saying, hey, I'm gonna give you a job. We want the independence of building our lives. We want the independence of building, you know, jobs that reflect our lifestyles. And we want the independence to be able to do that. And we have the resources, thanks to the internet, you know, being pervasive all over the world to reach anyone and anything and do whatever we want. Now, what we need is the technology to make that work. And thanks to the cloud, thanks to platforms, thanks to ecosystems, that's what we're building as a model. All, everything that we have today, it's not that it's dead. It's just being defaced. It's going to eventually going to, you know, evolve into oblivion. So, so, so let's talk about how do companies do what the customer says instead of what you think should be done. You've talked about operational excellence in the age of the customer. So what's, when you advise clients, first of all, how quickly can you tell they have the right leadership, the right culture, right processes, right ecosystem to actually grow and survive? Is there, do you have a litmus test? I mean, do you ask a set of questions when you advise a company? How do you know? Without, without being like, you know, a, a bad person, it's really simple. It's like, do the, the people that are on top, the leadership, right? How long they've been at their job and, and, and where do they come from? It's really simple. People that rose through traditional, uh, you know, career path, 
people that, that, that were trained, you know, like Rob was saying, I want my money back in my tuition. People that were raised, you know, and, and taught the traditional way, uh, and they haven't changed since then, right? If you look at the, uh, uh, you know, to, to a certain extent, the, the whole diversity, uh, you know, revolution that we're seeing is actually part of this model. If you look at a company that has, you know, a humongous board, but they're all, you know, all white men like me, or, or, or you know, not you or, or, or Ray, right? If, you know, even me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, White you're right. You're not. <laughs> if neither one of the three, three of us. We've got three immigrants on the shore right now. Yeah. So, so if neither one of the three of us is in a board, then that's a big problem, right? If there's no women in the board, there's nobody who actually reflects the voice of the customer. Somebody, right. nobody who understands it. That's a big problem. You know, you, you look at the leadership and you look at you know, you, you look at how it's composed and, and and what they're doing and what's the latest things, and you can tell. You don't even need to go and meet with them. You can tell what what the public messages what they're trying to do what are the initiatives that matter uh, your, your employer salesforce is, is one of the huge leaders in, in how in changing how this is reflected i mean mark benioff and i've known for a long time he, he truly believes that the things that he's espousing within the company you know so so that's that's the thing it's like you look at a company it's done this differently but more important you look at the fact that like you know the people within the company have the ability to be entrepreneurial um, AI will replace a lot of the jobs that we have within corporations because they're worthless jobs, but it will also give the ability for people to do whatever they feel passionate about. Makes total sense. Wow. Makes total that, is, sense. That, is, that, is, that is on par. So, did so okay, what happens? <laughs> oh, go ahead. I said, did I answer the question? Uh, I was going to say, what happened? You did, you did. You, you, you did, you did. So, so when we think about post-AI, right? I mean, we're not even there yet, but post-AI and things like blockchain, I'm going to put it there. Let's say blockchain succeeds and let's replace the word blockchain with the word identity. Or, okay. or, or let's not, let's um, not. <laughs> <laughs> but let's do that for a second, right? Um, some might actually believe that- I know when Esteban blockchain... comes back to Twitter, it's going to be Esteban Blockchain Kolsky. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but if blockchain does work in the way that it should work and the transaction volumes occur, um, we are closer to P2P marketing than ever before, right? People yeah. can actually then decide what they want to do and, and take it back to where Doc Searles was with Project VRM. Um, that's what smart contracts are. I mean, we're basically reinventing a lot of stuff that we had talked about 20, 30 years ago when we first just got into this industry. Yeah. So do you see that happening in the next three to five years or is that still a pipe dream all the way out over there? So let's take blockchain out of the equation, right? because it's a horrible technology, badly implemented. There's many things that are wrong with the thing. It's what happens when you say, hey, the distributed computer thing is really cool. Let's find the worst possible model to implement and get behind it. What do we call it? Blockchain. Great, let's go with it. Okay, let's go forward. No, the network computer is back. Yeah, and let's build a currency on it so that people think that it's real. How's that? Awesome, cool, yay. But if you take, if you take blockchain <laughs> out of the equation and you actually focus on the underlying technologies of distribute, distributed information sharing, distributed information management, you know, vetting processes, uh, you know, fallibility and things like that. Yeah, distributed is, is, is what it said. I mean, in, in 1939, we started the research. In, in the 1960s, we created computer models that, that reflect distributed models. This is what it's about. It's about distributed. It's not about blockchain or Bitcoin or anything like that. that. That's just, you know, great marketing, fantastic marketing, lots of people making money on it. And I'm, I'm very glad for them. 
just not not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is like, you know, we're going to see the value of these platforms and ecosystems relying on distributed models. We're going to see distributed ledgers and databases, which is what blockchain is based on, as being the, the underlying technology for all this stuff. We, we're going to see like, you know, immutability and fallibility and vetting and, and, and all this stuff like Doc Searles is talking about of information that goes into it and being distributed and being used and being leveraged. And we're going to see very different models of operation that we've seen until now. Sorry, I thought you had a question. No, no, no. I thought oh. I did. No, just kidding. Yeah, but, 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 but this is the it, right? answer is no, not, not, not this three to five years, maybe five to ten. Is that summarizing? The, actually longer than that. This, but this is like I mean, 1996 for internet, right? I mean, right. this is like the internet in 1996, yeah, right? Yeah. So hey, early. Yeah. We interviewed it, underscore VC founders who've invested in several billion dollars of companies and they had a 400 person uh, survey on blockchain and that's what they said, Ray. They said 
Vonkolsky, the man with no social media presence. You can check him out on his blog at ThinkJar. He's a happy man. He's a happier man now. Uh, he's off social media. <laughs> but uh, one of the thought leaders in the industry. And thank you so much for being on the show and a Constellation advisor. So thank you so much. Have a good Friday. Thank you. You too. Always a pleasure. Always, always. Uh, it's it's so uh, deep insightful. We're going with it. Talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> so. So we got some crazy stuff going. We're getting to episode 118. Can you imagine that? And you're saying somewhere close to 300. Yeah. Close to 300 I, mean, speakers. I, I know we've had repeat guests, but 118 times three, you know, we should be getting close to 300. We'll get the official count next week for you. I got 272 from Aubrey in the background. I think, I think for episode. All right. I so think this for year. one of these episodes, we're going to interview Aubrey. So, yeah, um, I love that. And, and what a guest. We put her in on this. Perspective uh, on our favorite guest. Yeah. And, and also talk about as we get, so clearly yeah. this year we're going to get to that 300 milestone. And we'd also like to get feedback from you watching the show, you know, who you'd like to see on the show, the type of themes you want to see. We've had higher education. We've had healthcare. We've had financial themes. We've had best-selling authors. We have had generals and Emmy Award winners and cartoonists and so on and so forth. So let's uh, let's let's help us figure out how we book our schedule. Yeah, we gotta get some more general ones. Yeah, yeah. But episode one eighteen, what do we who do we have here? This is gonna be an interesting group. So. We do. We we have Bala Rajaraman, uh, fellow and VP Cloud uh, thought leader at IBM. We have Anurag Harsh, CMO at IPsoft, and we have Nazca. Zada, guest producer at CGTN America. We only invite people that have very unique names. <laughs> just, just to give me a challenge. <laughs> in the fall, hey, you we're can gonna find have them on Smith. social media and the web. <laughs> oh man. Well, well, yes, our bias towards that. But no, some very, very interesting guests next week and uh, some very more interesting topics, you know, stay tuned, check out our SoundCloud uh, podcast as well. And more importantly, you know, catch us on our video stream. And more importantly, as Vala said, please tell us who you think uh, we should add next to the show as we go into the road to 300. So Absolutely. very, very exciting. Disrupt TV, recommend guests, and we'll do our best to get them on the show. Thanks everyone for watching and uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday. Happy Friday. If it's Bye -bye. Friday, it's Disrupt TV. <laughs> See you, Ray.